Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Doable Discipleship. My name is Brandon Robinson. Hey, really excited to continue on, actually to close this series that we've been on uh, called Politics and the Church. As always, like we say, we are the show that helps you grow. Also, I'm joined by the wondrous, wondrous Jason Wheeland. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. A double wondrous for me today. So I'm feeling extra wondrous. Yes. So this is, yeah, as you said, Brandon, this is our final episode in the series on Pollux in the the church. And really it's, we wanted to cap this series by kind of looking a little bit uh, in the past, but also looking ahead. Right. Um, So we've been talking about this for a while. And so the question obviously comes, where do we go from here? Right. There's still strong divides in terms of politics and in terms of um, society in our country. Right. We are a deeply divided country in many ways right now. And so we wanted to take the time to talk a little bit about how should we think about moving forward? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if you've been tracking along with us in this series, right, we, we've gone through, we talked about in our first week, how the kingdom of God is a transcendent kingdom, um, that it doesn't fit neatly into the left and right binary, but it's something that actually transcends, um, our political system. We talked about fear. What are we afraid of? Um, we talked through faithfulness in a divided world. Uh, last week, we talked with Todd Oltoff and went through how do we recognize and process our emotion, um, ultimately to practice empathy and move towards people. Uh, but like you said, today we're going to be talking through what does it look like moving forward? And I think that we have an opportunity as the church. You know, we don't have control over what happens in the wider scale of culture and society. We, we can't control that, right? And like you said, like the divides are still really strong. Um, if anything, it feels like they're more pronounced than they were um, previously and in previous years. Uh, those lines are drawn and they're drawn really thick with Sharpie. But we have an opportunity. Um, one of my favorite pastors to listen to, his name is Rich Viotis. He's a pastor in Queens, New York. Um, he said this about the church. He said, the church is not to be found at the center of a left-right political world. The church is to be a species of its own kind, confounding the left, the right, and the middle, and finding its identity from the center of God's life. And what I love about that is I think it opens up the door of opportunity, it opens up the window or even of opportunity to say, okay, if the church is truly a species of its own kind, if the church is truly something that's different, utterly different in the world, um, and that's confounding to the wisdom of the world, where do we go? Um, what does that look like for us moving forward? And we want to talk about what that looks like. We're going to get into that, but also there's, 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 uh, trips along the way. There is, uh, pitfalls and dangers along the way. And one of those is, it was a false story that we can live into that we want to steer clear of so that we can give ourselves more fully to the true story. Um, Jason, what, what does that false story look like? 
Yeah, no, I think I think it's good. We want to make sure that we're talking about just this. It's asking ourselves, what is the story that we are living into? I love that rich quote where he's talking about not focusing on the center of politics, but on the center of God's life, that that is the driving force of our story. And so when we uh, find ourselves in a false story or thinking about in our lives in the world in terms of a false story, it's usually because we have misplaced where we are putting the center, right? So Mm. one idea of a false story is what we're going to call the political prosperity vision, which is basically the idea of wanting a kingdom, but not wanting a king, right? It's, yeah. it's, wanting, it's wanting to have power and rule, but not wanting to be abiding by or be following in submission to, in submission the, king. to the king, right? And it's this idea that if, if, enough, if, if enough of us get on board, if, if enough of us band together and believe the same thing, then we can right the ship. And We've seen this all over the world and all across time, this belief that we can do it ourselves, that we don't need God. We don't need this higher power. But instead, if we all believe the same thing and we band together, that there is nothing that we can't do, right? That we can do it ourselves and right the ship, as we said earlier, but yeah. th- this is a false story. So talk about it's, why it's a false story, but it, it, there's a subtle, it's a subtle story too, you know, because it, because it happens across cultures, it happens across time. And it seems uh, on its face, it's like, well, what, what's wrong with that? People banding together, right? What, what could be, what's bad about that? Or people taking control of their destiny. What can be wrong with that? Um, what we've seen it happen with in what the 18th century and the enlightenment. Um, I think therefore I am, I am at the center of life. Um, kind of going back to that quote of finding our identity from the center of God's life, the enlightenment we saw in Western Europe said, no, 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 God's not the center of life. You are the center of life. So whatever you think, therefore you are. Um, but also we see it going all the way back to the beginning, uh, in Genesis in the tower of Babel. Um, you know, we hear about that story in Sunday school and it's kind of like cute, you know, all the different nations and they, they, they came together and then they're working together and then God confuses their languages, then they spread. Um, but, you know, if we really take a deeper look at that story, what we see is this, the root of this thinking. If, hey, if we get together, we don't need God. It actually says that they desire to build a tower that stretched to the heavens. Now, when we think about the heavens in that context, in that time period, to say what something stretched to the heavens or was in the heavens, you're saying that's where God lives. Um, So essentially what they're saying is, hey, we can build our tower. We can butt up into God's neighborhood. We can go and we'll build our own place there. Therefore, we don't have to submit to the king. We don't have to submit to God. We can submit to ourselves. We can be God. We can take control. We can be completely autonomous and and direct this ship of where it goes. Um, And then we see the rest of the story plays out where God confuses languages and they end up doing what he had told them to do in the beginning, which is be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. They end up doing that. They fill the earth, they multiply, they go forth. Um, But it's that, that little kernel that's in there. It's going even back to the garden of Eden. 
did, did God really say, no, you can be God. You don't need God to be God. You don't need the King, but you can have the kingdom. You can have the benefits. You can have everything that God gives and everything that God brings without him. You can have control over it and you can release it how you want to and for your own purposes. Um, and I think it's the frequency of which we see it. I think it's kind of the natural default and ultimately what it is. I mean, I think it's a natural default default for our sin nature, for, for human nature. Um, but God redeems that. But ultimately what I see is in it, we think ultimate healing, ultimate goodness, ultimate redemption in the world comes through our political candidate or political party of choice. And that's just not so. Yeah, no, that's great. And it, it, it's, it's good to keep in mind too, that in this story, that in this f- false story that we're talking about, you are not seen as a member of a family, but you are seen as a soldier. Like yeah. there is an expectation that is put upon you of like, you must do this. You are being told to do this. Uh, and you're not, in this case, a member of a family and all that that entails, all of the warmth and all of the love and all of the respect and the empathy that that entails. But instead you are thought of as, as a soldier, you have marching orders. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's important is is this idea of being enlisted versus being invited in this story, Mm. in, in, in this false story, you are enlisted into this. If, if enough of us get on board, we can write the ship and you need to get on board so that we can do it ourselves. We need you to do your part in building up our tall tower so that we can reach the heavens. We need you, you know, like it's this expectation of being a part of something to make us bigger than we are, which is, whereas the opposite is true in the true story, which is that God is inviting us into what he is doing. So let's- And Jason, can I just say yeah. on that false story, it, it sounds really good. It sounds enticing because it's almost like a false purpose, right? Yeah. You think you're being given, oh my gosh, I'm a part of something so much bigger than myself. There's all this purpose here, but really it's outside of your control. And because it's outside of your control, it leads to burnout, frustration, and anxiety and leads you off, leads you in a worse place than when you started. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Anytime that we take the center away from God, then we are going to experience burnout and all of the failings that come from focusing on what humans can do. But instead, but if we change our focus and put the focus back on God and his story, the true story, Um, in which he invites us into, then we are not doing it on our own power, but in his power. So let's look at at the true story, right? And and this is, as we're talking about it, it can be summed up a little bit in in this part of the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew 6, uh, which says, um, on earth as it is in heaven, right? It says, um, you know, so, so the Lord's Prayer Um, is our father heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right. And so this leads us into this, in in, this reality that we want to make sure um, that we are living in, which is that God is not leading an escape mission. That's not what's happening. Right. God is not saying, you know, uh, 
you guys are in a bad spot. Earth is bad. Uh, and I want, you know, over, over the, over the thousands of years, I'm going to be pulling you guys out of the earth and saving you and taking you someplace. Like that, that's not what's really happening in this story. Right. And we see that Jesus prays, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he was praying in, in the Lord's prayer that we read in Matthew six. And he prays that because God cares about the here and now he cares about what is happening here and what we are going through. He, he, he still has us be born and and live lives on the earth for a reason, because he loves the world because he cares for the world and he wants us to be a part of what he is doing on the earth. So we don't want to live in this story that we are trying to get away, but rather that God right. wants us to pour in and be in be a part of what He wants to do here on Earth. So, so let's talk about what that means. What yeah. is God doing? So, Matthew nineteen um, twenty eight. God talks about Jesus talks about. Uh, this idea like a renewal of all things. He actually says in the renewal of, of all things. Um, here, I can just read it. I don't know. I'm trying to bring it up from memory, right? It says, Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you at the renewal of all things where the son of man sits on the glorious throne, you have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones. And he goes on, talks about Israel um, and how as we have committed to him, he commits to us. But what the, the point is, um, the renewal of all things. And it kind of flies in the face of this. We talked about it before, but Hal Lindsey, the movies, the, the Left Behind series. Jason, I know you've never watched them. If anyone's watched them. I watched, I, I like I watched one of them. I watched, watched the first one. It it makes for great entertaining movies, but that's, that's not how it works. Where uh, the world is, you know, this wasteland that gets blown up. Um, but no, God is actually renewing all things. He's not making brand new things, but he's making what he has created. He's redeeming it. Um, it's like in the same way that someone restores an old house. Uh, that's what, that's what God is up to right now. This is what it talks about in Romans where Paul writes that creation itself is groaning for its redemption. Um, and with this, you know, what we, when we apply this type of thinking to our culture and to our country um, here in America, there's, there's a, so much energy, I think, that's being focused and placed on we have to get Christ in our culture. Um, you know, you remember a few years ago with the Starbucks cup, that whole thing, mm-hmm. um, things like Merry Christmas, things like there's a, there's a, a, a litany of different things, but there's a lot of emphasis on we, we want the the outward fruit, but we don't want to tend to the root. We want to feel like we are living in a Christian culture. But what I, I, I want to encourage us, I want to say here is it starts within. It starts with us. Revival starts in our hearts first. Um, and yes, we want to see that happen in culture, but we first and primarily need to be focused on seeing Christ formed in us, mm-hmm. in our lives, in our churches, before we are externally focused on what does that look like on a Starbucks cup or what does that look like in schools or what does that look like? No, let's focus our energy on first us, not that we don't care about these things, but Christ needs to be formed in us as believers, as Christians, as the followers 
of Jesus before we are concerned about what it looks like externally outside of us. Yeah, no, that's great. And it, it just comes down to this truth, which is that you have incredible purpose in the task of what God wants to do. God is inviting you. And, and this is the difference is that God is not yeah. enlisting you because you have a choice. But, he doesn't force you. Yeah, but he does invite you into his restoration a project that he is doing. God is working on restoring all things. God is God is working on renewal, on restoration. And he says, I, I want you to be a part of this with me. Come and join me in what I am doing in you and in others and in the world, right? But it starts with you. And God wants to grow you and build you and develop you into a redemptive change agent in the world. And so it starts within, just like Brandon was saying just now, is it starts with God working in you, but then it leads to God working through you. Yeah, it's it's in you, but then ultimately it's expressed through you. And this is what we mean by, you know, when we throw around phrases like, we're the hands and feet of, of Christ. This is what it means. Like God is working within us and ultimately gets expressed through our hands. And that happens internally, that happens externally, that happens in our community, that happens in our world ultimately. Um, but I, I love the idea of a, of a redemptive change agent. When we talk about purpose, you're invited into this. You're not enlisted. You don't have to, but there's so much goodness in this place where we join and partner with God and what he is doing. Um, Jason, I was watching this short, it's a, it's a, it's a book, um, and it's adapted into a short film. It was, it's called the man who plants trees. Um, and I watched it on YouTube. It's like a 30 minute little video. I can, we can put it in the show notes if anyone wants to watch it, it but it really moved me. I watched it yesterday, actually. Um, and I was like, man, this is so good. I have to stop and I got a journal about this. This is, this is really hitting me. Um, but the, the, what happens in the story, it starts off with this, with this young man, um, early twenties who is hiking. It's set, it's set, it's set in France. And this young man is hiking, um, in the highlands in France and it's desolate. It's cold. It's windy. It's barren. Um, he finds a few settlements, but there's not a lot of people living there. And the people who are living there are mean, they're anxious, they're out for themselves. Um, it's kind of like, you don't ask for help here. They're out to get you. There's not much, you got to get what you can get because there's not a lot. Sure. Um, and he ends up running out of water and he sees in the distance this, this older gentleman. So he walks up to him and finds out, oh, this guy's a sheep herder. He's a shepherd. Um, he asks him for water. The older man says, yeah, sure brings him back home, brings him to a well, they get water and uh, he stays with the old man over the overnight. And he realizes as he's getting ready to go to sleep that this old guy, he has a, a pouch of acorn seeds or of acorns. Um, and he's looking them over incredibly meticulous. He's really meticulous with it. And if anything has a crack, he throws it away. Um, and he's separating them into groups of 10 until he has a hundred perfect acorns. Mm -hmm. So it piques this uh, traveler's interest. Like what in the world, what's this guy doing up here in desolation? There's nothing here. Um, how's he, how's he making it by himself? So he kind of travels and he's with the old guy, but he's at a distance. Um, and then finally asks him like, what are you doing with these, with these acorns? What, what's the deal here? Um, and 
he doesn't say a word, but he uses this, his shepherd staff to, he's digging little holes in the ground and he's dropping the acorns. Hmm. Um, ultimately time goes on the traveler. He keeps going. What ends up happening is this guy, he keeps coming back year after year to see is, is he still working the soil? Is he still planting these trees, these acorns? He comes back a few years, nothing changes, but over time he starts to see these things are seedlings. Now these things are growing and um, decades go on. And then the French government's like, Oh my gosh, this incredible naturally occurring forest. We have to save this place. But the traveler knows he's like, it's not a naturally occurring forest. It's one guy who has chosen to commit himself to a place and is working the soil and is planting seeds and it's turned into what was one, this barren, desolate place. It has turned into this lush forest that people in the government want to protect. Um, and there was such a, it, it, the story ends with people end up moving into the highlands where no one used to want to live. And it used to be a place where it's slim picking. So you got to get what you can get and you got to keep others from getting it. It turns into a place where families are moving to, to uh, where there's life, where there's vibrancy, where there's joy. Um, and at the root in the heart of this story is it just takes one person. It's, it was one guy who ends up reshaping the landscape. And I think what's beautiful is that I think it applies to us. Like not everything has to be this huge, um, nationwide global task force, but oftentimes the biggest change that happens in our world that happens in our communities comes from one person who commits to, to show up and it's low and slow. It's, it's, it's humbly, it's quietly, it's gently, it's compassionately um, working that soil and planting and planting and planting until one day ultimately you have this beautiful lush place where people are going how did this happen and it can be traced back to one person's faithfulness and i think that's what god's asking of us is we don't have to leave these global um conglomerates of whatever but it it's it starts small and it starts within us it's 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 us tending that soil in our communities in our families in our hearts planting um and then ultimately it turns into this beautiful beautiful place so to do this i was thinking through like what the short story is great i loved it we'll link it i think you should watch it <laughs> seriously i went and bought the book on amazon um, oh, nice. amazon later but i want to kind of contemporize contemporize this if that's even a word um but talk about what it looks like for us now in this season, in the cultural moment that we're in. Um, so practical steps to take. One, as much as you can, get offline and get into community. Um, and what I mean is this, not that the internet's bad, but what I mean is this, it's, it's really easy to exist in the echo chamber online where you can say something, you can throw it out there and everyone pats you on the back and says how great you are. Um, or, and everyone thinks like you, I see this happening, uh, on social media. If like, you know, if someone on Facebook that you went to high school with, they post something you don't like block them. If they post something you don't like unfriend them, or, you know, someone is commenting on your things, you, you just, it's easy. You curate what you see. You just block people, you unfriend people, bada boom, bada bing, it's done. Um, but there's something really beautiful about community that it sharpens us. It makes us think. Um, it makes us watch how we say things. It makes us consider what we're going to say. Um, and it forces us to consider even different opinions. And when we do this, this humanizes other people and it makes us take a step back and go, 
is what I'm about to say, what I really think is what I'm about to say, what I really mean. Um, when you have people who are just patting you on the back, telling you everything you say is great in an echo chamber, you, you stop to think like you, you stop thinking like that. It's yeah. Everything I do say is great. And everyone believes in me. Um, but in community, when we rub up against other people, it takes, it makes us step back and go, I need to measure my words here. I need to be careful in what I'm saying. I need to consider the impact this has on other people um, and how it's going to be perceived, not in a people-pleasing way, but in an, in an honoring way. How, how can I get this across in an honoring way where it's not just a, a hot take that you fire off on the internet? Um, <laughs> And we, when we do this, I think it's important to ask ourselves, because usually in my experience, speaking personally, whenever I've said things that I wanted to take back or regretted, it was usually directed at one person. And I wish I can go back and just have a conversation with that person instead of putting it out mm-hmm. into the world where people don't really need to see. It's really actually something personal between me and somebody else. Um, but also even taking a step further and going, is this person really my enemy? Um, and I would say no. And that's based off of Ephesians 6. And you can go and read that. But our enemy is not other people. Our enemy is the enemy, um, is the devil who works against God's goodness in the world and who works against us and who works against God. That is who our enemy. And that's why Paul says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's like, but the rulers and principalities, um, that is the enemy. The mm-hmm. other humans, other people are not your enemy. And when you get into community, it's a lot easier to get there than it is when you're just online. Yeah, we need to be aware that the greatest danger to the church is not others, and it's not an oppressive government. No, the greatest danger is division, right? Yeah. And and this is something that Jesus knew. He in in John 17, he was praying for the disciples, and he was saying, protect them so that they may be one. We see these calls to unity all throughout the New Testament in Paul's writings, and what Jesus was um, preaching and talking to his disciples was all about unity. And it was about making sure that there is not a divisions that ultimately cause strife and anger and resentment and bitterness within the church because that division is the root. Yeah. Division is the root. Exactly. That's where it's coming from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also um, be a peacemaker. Now I know that probably sounds like really, that sounds really vague to say, we'll just be a peacemaker, but okay. What does that look like? Um, Well, one, a life of prayer, cultivating a life of prayer. Uh, in praying for our enemies, praying for people we disagree with, praying for people who really rub us the wrong way. But also it's not amplifying negativity that might be online, that might be in our communities, that might be in our families. It's uh, especially partisan negativity. Now I know that you can see things that pop up um, or you can hear things that are like, ooh, that's good. They, they totally own that other person or they really took down the other side. But I would caution you to be careful in that. Um, and I will say I, I've fallen victim to this. Um, and it's something that I want to bake in as a practice to how I interact online. But not liking, reposting, retweeting things and sharing things on Instagram that are ultimately harmful and work against the unity that 
Jesus establish, establishes in praise that we have. And also it's listening and asking why. Um, we talked about this last week on our episode with Todd, uh, but that empathy piece, a lot of the things that get us in our feelings or get us angry when someone else is doing it, it's coming from a place of pain. So can I move towards them in empathy and listen and say, why is that so? What has happened? Um, that humanizes other people and that creates connections of intimacy and connections of vulnerability. Um, and that moves the needle. That is being a peacemaker. Yeah. Uh, another part of being a peacemaker is not weaponizing leaders. So not making grand assertions that this person is God's anointed leader and we will only be saved or only do well with this person as, as the leader. Um, uh, friends, there's a lot of great examples throughout history of leaders who uh, I would venture to say did not <laughs> live out the kingdom of God on, <laughs> on earth, who did not make the choices of God, you know, so you cannot say that every leader is out there for God's purpose. Now, now there yeah. is a, God knows Absolutely. what is going to happen and God allows people to be elected or chosen as leaders or, or to rise up as leaders. God allows that to happen, but it does not mean that it is all for good. God can use yeah. bad things that happen to work for good. So just that's a good point. Yeah. Just making sure that that is 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 clear. Don't weaponize a leader and say, "This is the person who who God wants to be the leader of the country." Or this person. And we can assume not. we can assume yeah. why God may be using that person, right? Does God use leaders? Absolutely. We see that all throughout Scripture. Yeah. Um, but what we don't have insight into is why and for what purpose God is using somebody, um, and that. That's where we need to be careful in exactly. assuming God is using this person and he's using them for X. He's using them for Y. He's using for Z. We, we don't know that. Yeah. Um, and ultimately that works against being a peacemaker. But also I want to talk a little bit about cultivating a life of prayer. Um, and part of that is getting quiet. You need times where you're you're stepping away from the voices you're stepping away from all of the competing just the the yelling and the loudness and the competing voices that are telling you this is true that's not true believe this don't believe this look at this there's so much of that um we need to cultivate lives where god's word and where jesus's word is the loudest voice in our life and there's going to be a lot of voices that come up against that and we got to get quiet to hear God. What is God saying to us um, to listen to God? And if we're always pumping in our minds, some other voice constantly, constantly, not that we don't listen to other things. That's not what I'm saying, but we got to put some boundaries up around, okay, I need to retreat. Um, this, th I've come to a place where this is enough. Um, so I'd encourage you get quiet Bake in two minutes of the day. Might, might, might be in the morning, that might be in the evening, that might be in a lunch break where you get two minutes. Just set a little timer on your phone. Two minutes where you get quiet and you say, God, here I am. I am listening. And it's important because we have to remind ourselves that Jesus loves us, that we're totally loved. And what I mean by that is when we're silent, 
we're doing absolutely nothing. We're not saying anything, we're not doing anything, yet we're still loved. And it's and really important to remind ourselves and silence is a great practice where we can tangibly feel that. I'm not doing anything, yet God still loves me. And to listen to the voice of God. Yeah, that's great. And then also with prayer is making sure that you are actively praying for those that you disagree with, which we've talked about a bunch on this, uh, yeah. especially in this series, but also be praying for those who you do agree with. Be praying yeah. for, for, for everybody is, is praying for tender hearts is praying for empathy is, is praying for peace to win. Right. Um, so, and then also, yeah, go ahead, Brandon. I was going to say, and making sure you're telling God in prayer how you feel. Yeah, um, exactly. And we talked about it a little bit last week, but really like being honest and vulnerable, God, I'm feeling this, God, I'm feeling anger. Um, you got to get that off of you. You got to get that off your chest. And as we do that, I think it moves us yeah. towards Jesus because we can be real and we can be honest about what we're feeling. Yeah. God wants to know. And then yeah. um, uh, also ask God to lead you into truth. Ask God to guide you and lead you into the true reality of the story, right? Mm -hmm. This is what we've been talking about this week is a story to live into. So ask God to continue to shine his lamp before your feet and to walk you, walk with you and guide you into the truth of the story in which, um, in which he is the center point, right? Um, yeah. John 16, 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. We need to be marked with humility. Yeah. We need to recognize that God is God and I am not, and that I do not have the full view of humankind in history in future in front of me, like God does. And okay. so we need to accept the invitation to partner with God in his work of restoration. But that does not mean then that we just go out in full force on our own. I, I got this now. I've accepted the invite. I've got it now. No. Is every day, every step, every movement is meant to be done hand in hand with God. Yeah. Is meant to be in partnership, in walking with him. And awesome. ask, so, so as we are praying about it, is making sure that we are acknowledging um, his role in our partnership and our role in the partnership in that we have, you know, we are the invited guest and he invited son or daughter <laughs> and yeah. that he will lead us into the truth, which is the story that we've been talking about. Um, That's good. Well, there's a, a couple of other things I want to put in the show notes. So yeah, go for it. A, a producer, David, if you're listening, I want to add links to a series that we did a couple of years ago on, on being a peacemaker. Um, so we did a, a series on that. So if, if, if that struck you, as Brandon was talking about being a peacemaker, go back and listen to that series. It goes through this book called the peacemaker. Um, I believe that's by Ken Sandy. And then um, also uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Pastor Buddy did um, an event with us called The Purpose and Power of Prayer, which is available on YouTube, but we'll make sure that we link it here. Um, it's obviously stricken a chord with a lot of people because it has like 
80,000 views right now or wow. something like that. And it's, it's very good. So as we're talking about prayer and we've leaned heavily on this idea of prayer over the last few episodes, um, that would be worth taking some time to watch and check out what pastor buddy is talking about prayer. And I have on good word that he is also working on a small group study uh, around the same topic. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I hope that you've, uh, enjoyed and wrestled with, uh, what's the good word, Brandon? I'm missing a word. I'm talking about the series encapsulating the series. (laughs) Engaged maybe. Yeah. It's just, when we do that fully, right, there's things that are going to encourage us. There's things that are going to inspire us. There's things that we're going to go, Ooh, that's good. There's things that are going to go, Ooh, that's hard. Um, but hopefully to challenge you as well. And uh, I know we've enjoyed working on this series of politics and the church and kind of this moment that we're in. Um, but our prayer is hopefully that it pointed you towards Jesus and his kingdom and what he's doing and how you are invited into that. Um, and that you felt encouraged by that. And you felt yeah. like purpose, purpose is the word I'm looking for that you yeah. can step into. That's good. Next week, we're going to be starting a final series of the year going through Advent. It's going to be a very yes. special series. It's going to be different than what we usually do. Yeah. Really um, it's going to it. be a partnership with, with the well podcast too, and Brandon Bathauer um, on the well. So it'll be a mixture of, of, of some teaching and some retreat experience uh, uh, type. Um, it's going to be a really great um, yeah. experience to do weekly through the month of December. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. As always, we are praying for you. Please be praying for us. We will be back with you soon. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question might just inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you.